fantasy football faithful. It's your boy, Matty Kiewum, and welcome to another episode of Kiewum and Jones Fantasy Football Show. As always, I am joined by my esteemed co-host. You can find him on the Bird app, dropping gambling picks on TikTok, spitting Fuego takes, and you can find him on the Yellow Card Podcast talking about football. He is my podcast brethren, the certified lover boy of fantasy football, the Down, Chris Jones. What's up, my brother? What's going on, baby? Been a busy, busy couple weeks. Uh, new job coming up. Uh, I start my my full my new full time gig on Tuesday, the September fifth. We're recording on the thirty first, and and I'm also now uh, assistant coach, head coach of stuff varsity so um my time is very limited nowadays time is precious and we're just glad that we were able to carve out some time to talk a little fantasy football so cuban jones we have a action-packed show for you tonight talking about some preseason takeaways and we're gonna go into our pre-week one superlatives one of my favorite things to do in all of fantasy football so why don't we dive right on into a little bit of news and notes Kadarius Toney, Darren Waller, and Isaiah Spiller all returned to practice. Jalen Rager was dealt from the Eagles to the Vikings. Sony Michelle signs with the Los Angeles Chargers. Texans claim former Bucks wide receiver Tyler Johnson. That's pretty interesting. The timetable for Ken Walker's return only gets cloudier by the day. Thanks a lot, Pete Carroll. Greg Dolchitz was placed on the IR with a hamstring injury. As of right now, it should be a four-week absence, but we'll see how that pans out. Good thing for Albert O. Wheels up for the big man in Denver. Marlon Mack, Kevin Harris, and Tyler Batty, they highlight the player's cut for fantasy purposes, and we'll see if any of them land. I know Tyler Batty has signed with the Baltimore Ravens practice squad, and the, the other two are were still free agents as of right now. Speaking of Ravens running backs, J.K. Dobbins' availability for the start of the year is, in quotes, certainly in doubt. A video surfaced today, actually, uh, of him doing a little bit of drills, hitting some pads, and having a pretty noticeable limp. So monitor that, and if your draft is this upcoming weekend, maybe beware of J.K. Dobbins and his availability early on in the season. Jalen Waddle, he's been dealing with a soft tissue lower body injury. Um, the the Dolphins are downplaying it, but I don't know if fantasy gamers should. It seems like it could be something that nags on in the beginning part of the year, uh, but kind of have to wait to see what happens there. Jonesy, anything you want to add to Jalen Waddle? Jalen Waddle is definitely a guy that's fallen. If you look at where he was going in these best ball drafts back in April and May, he was a second round talent. Now they had Tyreek Hill, and now he's got this injury. I don't think it's going to be a good year for Jalen Waddle. Tough words, tough words. Uh, and last but not least, Brian Robinson, you've probably already heard by now, he was actually shot in an attempted carjacking. Uh, but, you know, he actually did make the initial 53-man roster for the Washington Commanders and appears to be on track to make a full recovery. And I think I can speak for Jones when I say, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with him and his family and his friends that he can get back on the field and fulfill what was going to be a promising uh, NFL career. Um, you know, reports came out and, mere hours before the, the the tragic events on Sunday that he was in line to be their starter. Um, but he was back on the practice facility early this week, bringing snacks for the rookie for the, the running back room. And he seems to be in good spirits. And that's great to see. 
Um, that's going to wrap up the news and notes. Uh, oh, did you, you say? Did you say about Trey Sermon getting cut? Trey Sermon got cut today. Yeah, you didn't see that today. I have not seen that. Trey Sermon got cut today. So the reports that he was the number two in San Francisco was completely unfounded. Uh, let me pull up the let me pull up the tweet to get factual on it. But I'm pretty sure that Rappaport tweeted it earlier today. Sure. No, I mean I believe it. He he seemed like a guy that could potentially be in the bubble. He was you know a bust last year. He was a third round draft pick in the NFL draft. He was a kind of darling in the rookie drafts. So I think he went uh in the first half of my rookie draft that I partake in every year in my longstanding home dynasty league. And, and it just never really panned out for the uh the running back. And it seems like I guess going forward, he's just probably going to land on a practice squad. I don't know if a team will take a shot on him to to you know to get him uh, touches early on. So if you were one of those guys who took Trey Sermon early rounds, uh, yeah, maybe maybe that was not the best move. Uh, we'll see where he lands. Jonesy, anything else you got on on the Trey Sermon cut? Waved. Waved, completely waved. So looks like they'll be going in with Jeff Wilson as their number two, or did they say Davis Price will be their number two? Uh, nothing yet, but I would assume that to, uh, that's, that's going to be Davis Price's uh, carries right there. However, another another name that, that popped up today is Kenyon Drake, officially signing with the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, the Ravens just would rather go with old, dusty running backs than anything youthful. Their two-headed monster is going to be Mike Davis and Kenyon Drake to start the year. Uh, but a little bit on the 49ers, too. Jordan Mason is a deep, deep name to uh, to remember. Um, he was undrafted, but he played at college at uh, Georgia Tech last year. Um, not really anything special in terms of his workout metrics or any of his college uh, analytical profile, but the Niners seem to believe in him, and sometimes the Niners just find these guys. I mean, Jeff Wilson from North Texas, Elijah Mitchell from Louisiana Lafayette, if I'm not mistaken. So they find these guys that aren't seeming, uh, it don't garnish a ton of interest around the league and they kind of make something of them. So that's a name to uh, monitor in your deep, deep leagues. Uh, let's just go. Let's just keep this train running. Jonesy, right? We, we got some momentum, baby. It's the end of the preseason. We are just mere week away from the actual football taking place, actual fantasy stats being uh, accrued, and some wins and losses that will happen in our fantasy matchups. And I, for one, am absolutely pumped. But before we move ahead, let's go ahead and look back on this preseason. So we got some preseason takeaways for y'all, some risers, some fallers. So let's go ahead and start with the risers. And I'll get us cracking first. My first riser is probably the most obvious. If, if hey Jones, are you familiar with the Captain Obvious Hotel.com commercials? Mm-hmm. Well, yep. I am going to play the role of Captain Obvious right here, right now, because my first riser is very obvious. And it's Damian Pierce. You have to talk about this guy. Uh, yep. Over the preseason, he had 11 carries for 86 yards and one touchdown. Um, he's the clear uh, running back one in Houston. He rested in week two. He started in week three. He performed so well with the starters that the Texans just straight up cut Marlon Mack. Uh, the fourth round pick out of Florida, you know, he does not have a ton of tread on those tires. And it seems like Houston is going to give this guy a full on chance to be their bell cow. Um, you know, Rex Burkhead may steal a little bit of that passing work, but he played some third down work uh, in this third preseason game, got six carries on the opening drive was punched it in from the one. This guy seems absolutely primed to be a, a stud contributor in fantasy. His ADP continues to soar. He is now in the seventh round uh, at the 78.6, according to underdog ADP data. 
And I'm for one and buying in. I'm okay with him in redraft. I think he has a, a, a real chance to be your wider, your running back too on your fantasy team. And you can get him in the seventh round. What are, you, what are your thoughts on Damian Pierce? I mean, now that we're talking about him going up so high, I was, I was all in on him when you could get him in like rounds 11 to 13. I think now that he's up a little bit, I think where he's at, I don't think you're going to get the same amount of value. So for me, I'm kind of, I stay away from him in that aspect, I think. Because don't get me wrong, I think he's going to have a great rookie year. But do you think that this is the rookie running back that's going to finish in the top 10 like we've had in in years past? No, but I do think top 15 is very realistic uh, for a guy like Pierce. He has shown a little bit of wider uh, catching prowess in college. Uh, he seems to be a pretty efficient runner. He looked great. I know it's preseason, but that's all we have to really work off of in the in the NFL level. And I, I kind of get this sense, and, and maybe this is blasphemous in this podcast considering our love for this running back, but he seems like a discounted version of Javante Williams, yet he doesn't have Melvin Gordon in the same backfield. So I don't know if that, you know, what that truly balances out to be, but I like Damian Pierce. I'm, I'm kind of in on him big time. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was in a dynasty startup. I got him in the 10th round, which seems like a freaking steal at the time. Oh, well, not at the time, but now looking back on it, I mean, it's fantastic value. But here in round seven, I'm still okay with it. Now, if it creeps up that ADP, if it creeps up into the round five, round six, that's when I'm going to start getting nervous. That's why I love taking those wide receivers in that rounds five, six, seven, uh, four, five, six. But in round seven, if you know if I can come in and grab my receivers and then back out and grab my Damian Pierce as my running back too, I am all over that, baby. Jones, who is your first riser from the preseason? Originally for me, it was going to be Elijah Moore, just based off what these Jets have done, but I'm going to go in a different direction here. I'm actually going to go with Romeo Dubes from Green Bay. I think there's been reports that him and Rodgers have been hanging out a lot, getting uh, acquainted with one another. And Green Bay... LaFleur, LaFleur said it today. They don't have a clear number one, so the ball's going to get spread out. I think if Dubes makes his mark in the first couple of weeks, I think where you can get him in drafts, I think he has the chance to break out and be the rookie wide receiver that leads the league. So leads the league for rookies in receiving yards this season. I think he has that potential if he can get going early on. So I like Romeo Dubes as uh, one of my risers. You're going to get a little pushback from me here. I am not a fan of Dubes. I just don't think he brings a whole lot to the table. He's got 4.55 speed, which is below league average in the 49th percentile. Mm-hmm. He's shown, you know, he might be good at football in the preseason, but a lot of his highlights have come against the Packers, you know, third, fourth cornerback. Uh, the, the, the love from Rodgers for me seems a bit unfounded when Rodgers himself uh, was you know, supposedly had said he wants to see a lot of packages involving Lazard, Watkins, and uh, Randall Cobb. You have the two running backs that are going to get love when Robert Tunyon hits the field again. That's been a, a Rogers favorite in the past. I just, I don't, I'm, I'm putting my eggs in the Alan Lazard basket of the two. So I'm just, I just don't like Romeo Dubes truly at all. Um, you know, he is a, he, he has balled out, though. You are absolutely right that he's balled out. And given his ADP is going around 11 right now, uh, some names in that range that I would rather take, like Jacoby Myers in PPR leagues, give me Jacoby all day over Dubes. But, you know, to your point, Dubes is absolutely has has some helium right now. And uh, could it could I eat my could I eat some crow here? For sure. 
for sure because like you know like your face our listeners didn't see it but i certainly saw it alan zard isn't necessarily uh an athletic freak in his own right so i don't know uh exactly how that'll play out but i'm not so high on dubs but i'm glad that you are should we make this one of the legs of our uh big bet that we're we're, we're constructing here are you feel that confident or should we just hold, are we gonna should we hold off on something else just, just saying, rise, rising up the board. I think there's potential there, but I'm not willing to throw my all my eggs in that basket. Okay, okay, fair enough, fair enough. So my next riser is a quarterback from the Chicago Bears. It's Justin Fields. He's uh, had some good stats here in the preseason: 242 passing yards, which is the third most among projected starting quarterbacks. For what that's worth, he was pretty accurate with 76.7 completion percentage, which is what you like to see out of a guy looking to make that second year jump. Uh, 87.4 pass grade on PFF. That was the fourth best in the preseason, believe it or not. He looks good. He seems to be progressing well. I know on paper the Bears offense doesn't seem to uh, be a world beater by any stretch. But given his rushing floor, um, I really think that he has a chance to produce in fantasy. Uh, fifth most rushing quarterback, uh, rushing yards amongst quarterbacks in 2021. And his 98th percentile 40-yard dash speed is you know, it's something worth noting. And uh, I'm definitely targeting Justin Fields in all of my super flex and, and two QBs. Matter of fact, uh, last weekend was the BDG three big dog bash, which I partook in. Uh, and I took uh, Justin Fields as my number two quarterback, because I do think that rushing floor uh, gives you like a solid fantasy floor as well. And it's just a, a, something I'm going to buy into by hook or by crook. Josie, how do you feel about Fields? I just I don't like that offense as a, as a whole. Besides, no, a fair Cole, point, besides sure. Cole Komet, I mean, there's been reports now that Dave Montgomery doesn't like fit anymore, which it's just outlandish to me. I I think they're in like a full retool, and I wouldn't be surprised if this offense looks as bad as that 0 and 16 Lions offense looked. Ooh, okay. All right. So you you don't have much love for Mooney. You mentioned Komet, but not nothing for Mooney. Mooney to me is a guy that could definitely take it, but I do would label him more of a bust where you're drafting him. If that makes sense. Mooney, yeah. So you you don't think that Mooney's talent can elevate a field? So you're gonna you're saying that he's just kind of is who he is. Mm-hmm. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So. It seems like we're getting some good analysis here from both angles because we're not necessarily on the same page, which is, you know, it's good for our listeners. It's good to get some discourse and kind of try to figure out where we both kind of stand on some of these guys given their preseason uh, production. Who is your next follower, though, Jonesy? Why don't you go ahead and kick us off or keep it going? My next riser is George Pickens. George Pickens has had a great preseason, and I understand that he'll probably be – the third, maybe fourth option in this offense, you know, with Claypool, Frymuth, and Deontay Johnson. But I think this kid's special. He has the chance to, if he can get the chemistry with Trubisky or Pickett, whoever the starter is, for the season, I think there's a chance that this passing offense could be very, very good. And I think, you know, like Ben had, you know, a couple of years back when he had A.B., Manuel Sanders, Martavis Bryant, those guys were putting up points fantasy-wise. I think Pickens could be like that. I'm, all, I'm with you there on Pickens. I think Pickens – I don't think it's too crazy to think that he could – looking back on it, he could be the best wide receiver in this class for fantasy production. Mm-hmm. The dude's just nasty. 
As Cody Carpentier uh, says, the dude's got that dog in him. I wasn't high on him coming out of the draft, but seeing some film and seeing uh, that fantastic catch he made in his first preseason game, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in right now. Yeah, and, and as it turns out, over the preseason, it seems like it's going to be Mitch Trubisky who's going to start week one for the Steelers. But both him, like and Pickett, both him and like Pickett look them. good. Yeah, and they both kind of look good. So regardless of how the Pittsburgh Steelers end up playing out, you know, their quarterback position, and you know, they, if they could prove to be decent passers, there's the, I think there's absolutely a scenario where George Pickens is their number two option behind Deontay. Uh, after that catch last weekend, Deontay immediately just reinstated himself at the top of the depth chart. But then he got banged up, you know, and, and you know, we'll see how that kind of plays out over the early part of the season. But Pickens is going to see the field. He's nasty in, in, in run, run, running games. So he's going to be on the field. And when you look at his breakout age, uh, he's in the 96th percentile, and that's just a, a metric that can – you know, it's pretty good at predicting guys' success in the NFL. So I'm in on Pickens. Definitely like him at his ADP and in rookie drafts. Uh, if you want to take him in the mid part of your first round, get it going, baby, because I think this guy truly has a, a super, super high ceiling. So that is going to be the risers, the good part. So now we have to go the opposite side of the coin, unfortunately, the fallers, the things that make us a little bit sad, things that we don't like a whole lot, Jonesy. We're pretty positive guys, right? Yeah, no, sure. I think we're positive, guys, but we also have to talk about the bad. So, Jones, give us your first follower from the preseason. It stinks that I'm going to say this, but it's Brees Hall. Brees Hall was going as an ADP. You could get him in anywhere in the third round to maybe the early part of the fourth. Brees Hall is now dropping in, like, the late fourth, early fifth. His stock's taking a hit. People are worried about him because of Michael Carter. And I'm just going to tell you, if Brees Hall is going to follow you in the fifth round, snag him because of two reasons. One, he has the size and speed to take over this backfield. And two, when he takes over this backfield, he is going to be – Jets haven't had a good running back fantasy-wise, in my opinion, since Sean Green. Wow. That's and a I good think, pull. That's a I great th- pull. And I think he can be as good as Sean Green was his rookie year. Or his sophomore year, whatever that year was that he had a thousand yard, thousand yard rushing. So let's put a crystal ball in front of you. Let's start rubbing it. Let's give you the genie hat. How do you see the whole Jets backfield playing out between Michael Carter and Brees Hall? So I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you right now. Week one, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be mm-hmm. tough for them. Okay, I think they're gonna split carries. Baltimore's defense is very very good. They're healthy this year. You know that secondary is already elite with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey coming back. I think they split carries there. Then they play Cleveland. Another tough one. Defensively, Cleveland's got a good defense. Cincinnati's got a good defense. Pittsburgh's got a good defense. Miami's got a good defense. And then you got Green Bay. So those first six games, those are all tough defenses to play. The strength of schedule is not great for either of these running backs. However, I do think by week three, Brees Hall takes over as the workhorse in that backfield. Yeah, I think you don't have to look back much further or back all that far to kind of see a scenario that's pretty comparable to this one. That's the Indianapolis Colts Colts and how Jonathan Taylor came about. Uh, At first, you know, he was split with Marlon Mack. Even early last year before Mack got hurt, they were kind of splitting carries. People weren't sure that it was his backfield to dominate. But, you know, talent prevails. And eventually, I'm with you there. It's going to be Brees Hall in the backfield. Michael Carter might be a good guy to spell him on some third downs, kind of get him on some maybe some two-minute drills here or there. But 
Brees Hall is a complete package. He can kind of really do it all. He produced on an astronomical level at Ohio, uh, at Iowa State, uh, in over his last you know three years of tenure there. So I'm definitely in uh, on Brees Hall, and I'm with you also. Buy that dip, baby. Get in there, buy the dip. But we're talking about the Jets. Let's stay on the Jets. I think my follower here is Garrett Wilson, uh, the wide receiver that they actually took in the first round now. If you kind of look at the tea leaves and kind of see how things played out in the preseason, it seems like he is buried in the wide receiver depth chart. Uh, and he kind of played as Corey Davis's backup. Not as a, you know, let's see how he is in this situation, see how he's in that situation. It was a pretty straightforward backup role in terms of who he played with. Uh, so that's not encouraging for your seasonal leagues. In, in Dynasty, I don't think he's a, a follower at all. But in seasonal leagues, I definitely think he is. And I'm... I'm not necessarily out on the talented wide receiver from Ohio State. Um, I am kind of fading his current draft price a little bit. But at the end of the day, he did still flash a little bit in the preseason. He had eight targets, which is third most on the Jets, six receptions, which was third most on the team. And he had 2.36 yards per route run, which is good. And he was three for three in contested catches. So he did flash in a few key areas. And I think he will be a, a guy that you want over the course of the season, but to start and in seasonal drafts, you know, these drafts are going to be fast and fierce over the weekend. I definitely think he's a follower. Anything you want to add on Garrett Wilson before we move on to our last follower? I had a draft the other night. I took Garrett Wilson in the last round. He fell that bad to me. That See, that is somewhere where I will definitely gladly put him on my roster in the last exactly. round. Exactly. So thinking of me like this, if he's going to follow you there and he has a good – couple weeks right he gets a span where he's finishing in like the top 30 for wide receivers right you moving him in that situation because you don't think he can keep up that consistency you're trying to get as much as you can for him or you holding on to him and hoping that he has a good uh remainder of this the season if you're in season at least i think i don't know that is a really really tough question and the way you posted it uh it's tough to kind of differentiate because in seasonal, I don't know if he's going to have enough juice to trade away uh, necessarily. And if he's producing, so think he's of it a like this, right? Pick. Think of it like this, right? He's your last round pick. Corey Davis goes down. He fills right in, right? Mm-hmm. Corey Davis is out for six to eight weeks. He has two really good games. You trading him in that after after those two good games and seeing what you can get for him. In seasonal, putting him out in seasonal and dynasty, I'm holding. I'm holding him regardless of what happens this season. Right. Because right. I think he's very good. But right now my question is more so for seasonal. Because with me drafting him late, like hmm. I did, I want, if he has those two good weeks and he's slowly working his way up and he's listed as a potential top 40 wide receiver every week, fantasy-wise in these rankings, I'm personally I'm moving him to get some depth pieces back. I think I would probably side with you there. Uh, and it's for it's probably more not it's not necessarily geared towards him it's geared towards the offense as a whole. So that let me ask you this question: If Zach Wilson comes back and he's healthy, he plays all year. Is he good enough to sustain? You know, Elijah Moore, Garrett Mitchell, uh, you know, all those pass catching guys. Is he able to do it? Did I say the wrong guy? Garrett Mitchell. Did I say Garrett Mitchell? Sorry, baseball, baseball thought. Yeah. Baseball mode. Garrett Wilson. Is he's he is he good, good enough to Mitchell's sustain both good. of them? He is good. He is good for yeah. the record. If you, I know we probably don't I have think, a bunch of baseball listeners yeah. out there, but if you do, you know Garrett Richards. <laughs> I think Wilson's good enough to get Elijah Moore his touches. I think the one who loses in that situation is Corey Davis. I do think Garrett Wilson's going to produce this year. I think he'll, he'll get anywhere between 60 and 70 catches. 
oh seven to eight hundred receiving yards, and then mixing in a couple touchdowns here or there. Okay. All right. Let's move on here. What is your next baller from this past preseason? This one makes absolutely no sense to me. This guy last year finished in this top twelve fantasy running back in PPR leagues, and he is now going at his overall in PPR is fifty six. It's it's Antonio Gibson. I understand Brian Robinson was going to be the starter, but Antonio Gibson's getting touches. And when Gibson gets touches, he makes things happen. So the fact that I can get him as my RB2, last year you were getting him as your RB2 in round two. This year I can get him as my RB2 in round five, maybe round six. I'm taking that all day. The fact that he's fallen so far down this board makes absolutely no sense to me. These reports coming around that he was on special teams. He was just going to be this. He was just going to be that. Don't listen to that, man. This guy has fit two years in Ron Rivera's system. All of a sudden, now he's not going to. I understand Brian Robinson came in and Brian Robinson's played well, and I hope that Brian Robinson has a very good season. Don't get me wrong. But Antonio Gibson and him are a good combo, and I think Antonio Gibson in this situation is the Melvin Gordon to Brian Robinson's Javante Williams in a sense. Gibson is still going to get touches. I don't know why you don't take him there because the potential rushing touchdown upside for Gibson it might be better than Brian Robinson is right now. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He was a faller, and of course, based on the you know the tragic events of last Sunday with Brian Robinson, his situation, um, it's going to cause his ADP to probably go up. Uh, but where I was kind of confused, you know, pretty similar to what you're saying is, if you wanted the your 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 pounder up the middle, you wanted your grinder, your Brian Robinson guy. Uh, wouldn't Antonio Gibson be a great compliment to that? I mean, he was a wide receiver in college. He's six foot, two hundred twenty-eight pounds. He runs a four-three-nine. He's ninety-ninth percentile speed score. This seems like the exact type of guy you would like to compliment with a guy like Brian Robinson. So I was still drafting him when his ADP fell to the eighth and ninth round. I was all over that. Uh, now that it's going to go up a tad, I'm still going to monitor the situation to see if there's a slight slip. Uh, but I just I don't know if I can trust Ron Rivera. He just you know, they came in in the 13th hour to pry J.D. McKissick away from Buffalo. They just seemingly did not want to give Antonio Gibson any confidence, any love, any type of pat on the back to get him going. Uh, but, yeah, he's a faller, but I'm, I'm still in on Gibson. And in Dynasty, I was tossing out some low ball offers. Your boy was out here slinging like it was Christie's and Canton. Ha, ha, ha. If you know, you oh, know. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. How's it going? So my next follower is Cam Akers. So another guy uh, that's pretty similar to Gibson in terms of his age and uh, kind of the hype coming out. But he hasn't really participated much this preseason. There was a report that surfaced that he just started running um, after he needed a break this past week. Uh, And a lot of why he's falling in my mind and in terms of drafts as well, isn't really his doing. It's kind of just the vibe around the NFL news keeps spurting. I mean, results, I mean, things keep happening that are just suggesting that these Achilles injuries are not nearly as okay as maybe we had hoped as uh fantasy managers, Marlon Mack, couldn't surplant Royce Freeman. Deontay Foreman lost out to Chuba Hubbard. James Robinson, I'm kind of ha- I'm gonna fade now. It just seems like these Achilles injuries, although they're getting back to the field quickly, they're not necessarily recovering, and it's bringing a ton of concern. 
OJ Howard, I know he's not a running back, but they said he had zero juice in Buffalo camp. They cut him because of an Achilles injury. It just maybe we kind of put the cart in front of the horse when it comes to recoveries and Achilles injuries. But all of this, you put all this together, make a little concoction of worry. I'm not sipping it. I'm nervous, and I'm probably staying away from Cam Akers in seasonal drafts. Uh, what are your thoughts on the running back from L.A.? I'm in on him. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think that he's very good. I think I've drafted him in my draft the other night as my RB1 with based off of you know, my three stacked wide receivers and needing a, a, a solid running back. I think he's solid overall. I think he's going to have a good season. I think the OJ Howard comparison, OJ Howard is, is visiting the Bengals, I believe. So he might have signed with them, actually. He might I don't know signed. if he officially signed with them. I know he met with them today, but forget all that. But I think Cam Akers is very good, and I think he has a chance to be special this year. But it's all about if you feel confident on the draft, at that spot. Yeah, I mean, he's in a great offense. Um, he's shown that he can be the workhorse in an offense before the injury. Sean McVay is a is a head coach that has uh, proven that he likes going to one guy. He doesn't like to really uh, deploy the committee. Uh, he's shown that. So uh, if, if he can get right and he looks good and he can plant and pivot and, and juke and do the things that made him so good coming out of Florida State, I'll be back in on Cam Akers. But as of right now, I'm kind of out on him. But we'll see uh, how that kind of uh, comes about. It's going to wrap up our, our preseason takeaways. Uh, so now let's just go ahead, keep plowing forward, and we're going to do something that I love to do, which is our superlatives. If you listen to Kiwi and Jones, if you're fans of us, if you rock with us, you know that we love giving you our before-season takes, our mid-season takes, post-season takes. You know, we just love kind of putting our putting ourselves out there, you know, putting our necks on the line and, and getting behind some takes. And this year will be no different. So why don't we get this thing popping with our pre-week one superlatives? We got five different categories here that we're gonna t- we're gonna hit. Starting first with sleeper of the year. I'll go first. Uh, I think the sleeper of the year is going to be none other than the running back from the Indianapolis Colts, Jonathan Taylor. Just kidding. Obviously, it's the he other is- one. He is obviously not a sleeper. He is your 101 in most drafts. But I'm going to talk about Naeem Hines. Naeem Hines, he runs a 4.38. He's going around pick 127, uh, which brings some value here. You can grab him in the 11th round uh, in most drafts here, according to Underdog ADP data. Uh, Matt Ryan just loves throwing to his his running backs. Uh, Cordero Patterson, I know that he's kind of a wonky gadget player, but still him and Mike Davis, they combined for 96 catches last year. And Mike Davis added 44 of those. And he is by no means a gadget player. So that just shows how much Matt Ryan's willing to dump off to his running backs. When you look at the pass catching core for the Indianapolis Colts, you have Michael Pittman, who I think we both absolutely adore in 2022. Other than that, there's really nothing really exciting. I mean, Paris Campbell, maybe Alec Pierce. Sure, he seems like a oh, promising Alec Pierce rookie. For sure, man. Come on, put some respect on that boy's name. I have no problem with Antoine Pierce, but the thing is... <laughs> it's not his name. Oh, you got to tap into Ray G. My man Ray G, that's what he calls him. So that just I sticks know, in my head. I know, but, uh, I know, I know. But uh, yeah, Alec Pierce, I, th- but I, I, I don't think it's crazy to think that Naeem Hines is second on the team in catches uh, for the Colts. No, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. Yeah, he... I, he, I actually like that. 
he's had, you know, he's racked up catches in the past. Um, he's had no less than 320 receiving uh, 300 receiving yards uh, of each of the four years that he's been in the league. And it seems like they want to get him on the field with Jonathan Taylor. I think that presents some matchup problems for opposing defenses. And if you need, uh, you know, you go zero running back and you have, or even anchor or hero running back, and you kind of want to grab a bunch of, you know, go the shotgun approach in the double digit rounds, Naeem Hines can be that guy for you. And that's why I have him as my sleeper of the year before week one. Jones, anything you want to add about Naeem Hines? And then go ahead and kick us off with your sleeper of the year. No, I think you you hit that perfectly right there. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, but my sleeper of the year, actually, you can get this guy currently at on sleeper at 149. It's wide receiver for the Dallas Cowboys, Michael Gallup. Now, I understand he's probably gonna miss the first four weeks, but he's looked good, no setbacks, and I think if he stays healthy and plays and knows. 13 games. I think he's getting over 100 targets. I think he's going to be a legit option for Dak. We saw what he did in 2019-2020 when he got over 100 targets. You know, 1,100 receiving yards and and 840 receiving yards. Touchdown progression could get there as well. I do, like, we saw what C.D. Lamb did as their number two wide receiver last year. We saw what Michael Gallup can do in the past just as a receiver in general. I love Michael Gallup. I'm drafting him as late as I can. And the perfect reason is because I can draft him, stash him on my IR spot for four weeks, pick someone up, give him a whirl. If they don't work out, guess what? I have Michael Gallup coming back, and he's going to be the wide receiver too for this team. Michael Gallup is my sleeper this year. Uh, see, I'm a little bit – I like Jalen Tolbert, but I think your reasoning is completely sound where there's CeeDee Lamb, there's Dalton Schultz, Schultz, and then it's wide open. Michael Gallup, they gave him the big contract. He's performed in the past. If he can come back healthy by week five, six, I mean, that's a lot of the season left for him to produce, and he's shown that he can get it done on, on – you know, he doesn't need massive volume, and he can be pretty efficient. He got it done in the past with guys like Amari Cooper. On the team, so he can absolutely perform with a CD Lamb uh, opposing, uh, you know, being his opposite side uh, receiver. So Michael Gallup, that's a good call. Even though I, I'm not huge on him, I still think it's a great call. And maybe, maybe I'm going to listen to my boy Jonesy here and kind of give him a, a, a deeper look in some of my upcoming drafts. Let's move on, Jones. Let me, I'll give you the next pick here. Should we go bust, breakout, or MVP next? Breakout. Okay. So breakout candidate, do you want to kick us off with your breakout candidate? I do because he is flying up the draft board right now. You get him at pick 181. He's definitely a receiver that you want to take in the end of the draft. Um, He is going to be the slot wide receiver for probably one of the best offenses in the league. Um, His draft stock has been shooting up the board as of late. I just took him actually in um, one of my leagues late round, and I feel very confident in putting him in. I think – this will be the first time that we see him getting a crap load of targets because his quarterback loves to throw to the slot. And we saw what the progression of the slot wide receivers has done for uh, fantasy purposes. They finished, I believe, in the top 35 in two out of the last three seasons. This guy is none other than Isaiah McKenzie, the Buffalo Bills receiver Ooh. that you should draft, not Gabriel Davis. Ooh, that's a spicy meatball. I love it. That could be a massive breakout. 
But is there enough to can he get enough volume to truly break out sharing the field with Stephon Diggs and apparently the greatest wide receiver in the known universe, Gabe Davis? Oh, he stinks. Gabe Davis <laughs> isn't is, is good. Well, think of it like this, right? And this is the perfect example of what I mean by when I say this. If you look at the last three seasons, right? Who has the Buffalo Bills slow I just even remember? Uh Mr. Cole Beasley. Yes, can I tell you how many targets Cole Beasley's gotten in the last three seasons? I would love for you to tell me. Uh, 106, 107, and 112. Wow. So, so yeah, wow. I think Isaiah McKenzie can do that with with potential like that that, that uh, Cole Beasley got. He is a slot plus uh, because he's faster. So he has more athleticism than a guy like Cole Beasley, but he seems that he can handle it. I mean, that game against New England last year, what do you have? Uh, 12 targets, 10 receptions in a game, you know, he went off. And it seems like every time he's given the opportunity they're, to truly thrive, he does. They're the same height. I think McKenzie was a pound heavier than him, and McKenzie is 27 years old. Cole Beasley got 100 targets for the first time in his first season in Buffalo when he was uh, at the age of 30 as well. So, hmm. Right, that was after just saying, Dallas. Yep. The targets will be there. He might not put up a bunch of touchdowns like Beasley did. Beasley did 67 for 7, 78 and 6, 82 for 9, 67 and 4, and then 82 for 6, 93 and 1. But he was averaging close to, uh, in his time at Buffalo, oh, just a little over 10 and a half yards per reception. And like you said, you can get him at the end of your draft, and mm-hmm. the upside is definitely there. If you can, you know, hitch your wagon to the Josh Allen horse. That's something that's definitely worth doing in fantasy because this offense could be the best in the league, no doubt about it. It could. Um, I also uh, have uh, uh, my bull take has to do with Buffalo's offense as well. Oh, we'll get there. We, double, we're going to end double, with our bull takes. I have a I have a double bull take actually for that. So it's a bull, 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 bull take. I got a bull take too, but we're gonna we're gonna end this segment here with bull takes. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about my breakout. Uh, I'm going to talk about the wide receiver that is he he got what the kids say the bag. In the offseason, the Jacksonville Jaguars signed this guy to what I've heard on Twitter to be $1.68 quadrillion. That's Christian Kirk. He has yet to perform higher than wide receiver 30 on a points-per-game basis, but he's flashed in a couple of key areas. Uh, Last year, uh, in 2021, with the Arizona Cardinals, he was 10th amongst qualified wide receivers in expected points added. He was uh, 14th in yards per target, which is good, and that's something that can translate. And he's a winner on the field. He had 215 total route wins, according to playerprofiler.com. That is good to make him the 12th highest. And something I like to see is fantasy points per target versus man. How can you do when the when they put a corner to try to shut you down? How can you perform? He put up 2.27 points per uh, target, which was 10th. And now you put him in an offense where he's going to be the number one with Trevor Lawrence. He was targeted eight times in the half that he, in the half, not the game, the half that he played with Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is, you know, by many expected to take that huge second year jump. And I think Christian Kirk is going to benefit from that progression. And I think you can see a, a top 24 wide receiver season is absolutely in the cards for Christian Kirk. And this is a guy that you can get, um, you know, as your wide receiver three in a lot of drafts, maybe even your flex. Uh, you can get him anywhere, you know, from seven to nine, depending on the size of your draft. And, and I think that 
Christian Kirk is poised for an absolute breakout of a season in 2022. Jones, anything you have on Christian Kirk that you'd like to tell our faithful listeners? No, I think hit the hit. Hit the nail right on the head there, buddy. Bam! Hit that nail right on the damn head. So let's keep this train moving. We talked about sleeper, which is positive. We talked about breakout, which is positive. Like you say, we're a couple of one, two certified lover boys. Give me that negative. Let's Give me go. That negative. Let's go negative, shall we? Who is your bust for 2022 before we get into week one? Jonesy! Y'all people, all these people, everywhere I go. I look online everywhere I go. You know what I? You know what I hear about? You know who I hear about? I hear about a specific wide receiver. Do you know which one? Who are you hearing? I'm hearing about how good Mike Williams is going to be this year. I'm here I to know. shut that noise down. I'm here to shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it, shut it Mike down, Williams. Shut it down. Besides last year, when he finishes wide receiver nine, everybody thinks he's going to take this big step forward this year because Justin Herbert and that offense is great. Well, let me let you in on a little secret. Josh Allen and that offense is great too, but they're not going to put up multiple wide receivers that finish in the in the top fifteen this year. You think Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis are going to finish in the top fifteen this year? Uh, Stephon Diggs for sure. No, I mean like as a duo. Oh like no, both of the both of them in it together. No. You think Keenan Allen, Michael Williams will do that again this year? No. Thank you. Everybody needs to stop talking like this because Mike Williams, besides in 2018, right? Everybody brings up his 2018 year where he finished as in the top 20 as fantasy wide receivers, right? You know what he did in 2018? What? He had 10 touchdowns. He had 10 touchdowns in 2018 on horrendous stats. He had 664 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. He finished in the top 20. And everybody's like, oh, this guy is going to take the leap this year. He's going to take the leap this year. He got 1,000 yards the following season. Two touchdowns. You know where he finished? Where? You know where he finished? Where? He finished as wide receiver 37. Wide receiver 37 when he had 1,000 yards. Well, in my league, we start 37 receivers, so that sounds good. See, this is why I can't do shows with Matty Kimo. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to talk bad about this guy. Matty Kimo was like, oh, bam, look at me. So, look, yes, I understand. Listen, he got 129 targets last year. I understand, but you got to give me credit here when I say this. He is not going to pull in over 1,100 receiving yards this year. He's not going to come through double-digit touchdowns again this year. Mike Williams, in my opinion, towards the end of the season, is going to be the wide receiver three on this team. And you know why? Why? Because my boy Joshy Palmer is coming for that ass. Oh, Josh I was going to ask you that. For that ass. I was going 100%. to ask you about Palmer. 100%. He's coming. Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, Mike Williams. Mike Williams, for where you're getting him right now, bust of the season. Don't touch him. Because guess who I said last year was the bust of the season? It was Mike Davis. And he was out of a starting job in four, in four weeks. Okay. Yeah. So you have a vendetta against Mike's, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I don't like Mike's. <laughs> you don't like Mike's. That's fair. That's fair. Enough. Uh, I let me ask you this. Though. So my my immediate question when you brought up Mike Williams' name and how he could he could bust out uh, in a bad way was was what your thoughts were on jo- on Josh Palmer. You talked about him, uh, but I have to ask your thoughts on this guy too. Who they brought in you know a very athletic tight end and Gerald Everett. Uh, could he be a guy who takes away some red zone touches in this offense? We've talked about this trend before. He's one of those tight ends that get drafted 
outside of the top 15 that could finish as a top five tight end this year because of Justin Herbert. I understand. Listen, don't get me wrong. Justin Herbert can sling that puppy, and he's going to all season long. But, however, Mike Williams is not going to get 130 targets this year. Austin Eckler is going to get some more targets out of the backfield. Keenan Allen gets 100-plus every year. Trust me when I tell you, Mike Williams is going to be a fantasy bust this year. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I I don't disagree with you on that. I have basically zero shares of Mike Williams, and I don't see uh, myself really gravitating towards uh, getting any going forward. So uh, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna say I'm with you on that. I'm not really big on Keenan Mike Allen, Williams. Keenan Allen gets 135 plus every year since 2017. Tell me, get out of here. Okay. Mike Williams right. is gonna take targets away from him. All right. So my bust this year is also a wide receiver. Uh, he also plays in the state of California. He also is attached to what is supposed to be a very good young quarterback. But I think he is going to bust out in uh, 2022 in a bad way. And that's Debo Samuel. Last year, he was the wide receiver three on a points per game basis. But if you look at playaprofile.com's expected stats, that was almost that was 2.65 points more than he was expected to score, which means he's kind of outpunched his weight a tad. He had eight rushing touchdowns, which is crazy. It's a number he will never see again, and I feel pretty confident in saying that. And even in his contract, he got that extension from the San Francisco 49ers, even though he supposedly hated them only a couple months ago. Uh, there are supposedly some incentives in that contract that will pay him for getting any type of rushing stats, which... Might be an incentive for him if he rushes, but it's also incentive for the Niners to not use him in the rushing game. And, you know, they got Brandon Ayuk. They got George Kittle. They got a rushing quarterback. For all these reasons, I don't see him scoring eight rushing touchdowns. I don't see him eclipsing the 14 total touchdowns that he had last year. Yes, he was efficient. Yes, he is a yak god, which means he will absolutely produce. I don't think that he's a, um, a nothing. And if I have him in... uh Dynasty leagues, I'm not selling for 80 cents on the dollar. I'm holding out for uh, what I feel is fair market value. But in redraft leagues, I will not be taking Debo Samuel in the second round because I do think that he is this year's quintessential bust. You hear like you like how I said that, guys? Bust. bust. He's a bust. I agree with you 100. I think for two reasons. One, it's a completely different offense with Trey Lance at the helm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if it was Jimmy G, I would be fighting back on you. A little bit here, but with Trey Lance at the helm, you know Trey Lance's boy is an ain't Debo. It's that Ayuk. It seems like yeah, you gotta get that Ayuk kid. Ayuk, Ayuk, and George Kittle. I mean, you cannot uh, ever ever discount yeah, a guy with that type of talent. But I'm not talking about George Kittle. I'm talking about Ayuk. I so Simo Debo Samuel is a bust, but, but we also should be looking at Brandon Ayuk. You drafted Debo Samuel in the second, third round. You get Brandon Ayuk rounds nine and ten. I'll take the nine and ten value. So you go a little bit of 49ers arbitrage there. I like it. I like it. Ayuk. <laughs> Someone needs to clip this for us. A bust. And Ayuk. Facts. Big facts. All right. Let's 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 do MVP. Let's, let's do, MVP. do MVP, baby. Go ahead. You go first. So I'm not gonna lie here. I'm a little butthurt because uh coming into the show, obviously, before looking at your notes, you and I had the same MVP. So I had to change. Off the rip. Okay. Off rip. The guy I wanted to pick originally 
I can't because he's a first-round pick, but I do think he's going to finish as the top wide receiver this year, and that's none other than Justin Jefferson. Sky's limits for him there. Uh, very much so pass-heavy offense. I think Justin Jefferson's going to be a baller this year. But, however, my MVP and my comeback player of the year, this guy has two top 10 finishes at his position in his career and has finished in the top 25 also twice in his career at overall rank. I'm going with none other than the man, the myth, the legend, Quadzilla. Just kidding. Not A.J. Dillon. The other one. Saquon Barkley. Barkley, baby. I'm going with Saquon this year. I love what the Bulls offense looks like. And I think, like you said, for Naheem Hines, not to compare the two because they're completely different, but the Bulls quarterbacks drop off a bunch in the backfield, which means PPR value for Barkley there. And you're this is a guy that's first-round talent that you're getting at some point in the second round. He is going to win the MVP for fantasy for me this year. I am all in on Saquon Barkley. I cannot argue at all there for Barkley. I think Barkley's a stud. I think he's your perfect anchor RB because you can get him in round two. So I mean, if there's not there's a situation where you could start your draft with you know a Cooper Cup and then Saquon Barkley, uh, Justin Jefferson and Saquon Barkley, where. You're just absolutely loading yourself up with with tremendous talent. It's not out of the realm of possibility to think he's you know the second most target getter, second most catch guy on that offense. He's an well, absolute stud. He seems super healthy this year. Don't forget, his mind seems right. Don't forget his rookie year. He had over 120 targets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They like, peppered him with targets, so he can handle exactly. it. So if he plays all 16, I expect him to get that level of targets this year. Absolutely, I love Saquon oh, sorry. too. All seventeen because we're we're week seventeen weeks. Now. That's yeah, that's a that's a number now we have to get acclimated to. Yeah, so I'm I'm all in with Saquon with you there. I don't really have much to add. So why don't I just go ahead and talk about my MVP? My MVP. Well, hold on, before Matty says my okay. MVP, this is a conjoined MVP. Him and I both agree on this, hundred percent. So down. for this for content purposes, happen. you pick Barkley, but th- your heart is yes, this here, correct? Because okay, I've so been speaking this into existence for months now. You have been. And in no way, shape, or form am I going to take credit for this guy or say that he's my guy over your guy. This is both of our guys. You know, this is a DJ Moore podcast. This is a Javante Williams podcast. But you know what this is also? This is also a Jalen Hurts podcast. And I have him as my MVP this year. You can get him uh, in round five in one QB leagues. So seemingly you could put together four uh top end talented wide receiver running backs, maybe even sprinkle in a high end tight end there and then get one of the best, most talented QBs in all of fantasy. Last year he finished as QB six on a points per game basis, but he was number one amongst qualified quarterbacks in fantasy points per drop back. And his rushing floor is absolutely bonkers. He finished first or second in all of the advanced rushing metrics for quarterbacks. Uh, anything, every whatever you think of carries, carries per game, red zone carries, rushing touchdowns, rushing yards per game, red zone carries per game. All of those, he was at the top or second. He is an absolute stud rusher. And, you know, they they were not necessarily a pass-heavy team last year. Matter of fact, they were one of the least uh, pass-happy teams in the NFL. But this year, you know what they did in the offseason? They went ahead and got A.J. freaking Brown, his Disney buddy. They went out and got one of the best, most talented young receivers in all of football to match up with the Slim Reaper and my favorite tight end breakout this year, Dallas Goddard. 
I am all in on the Philadelphia Eagles offense. And I think Jalen Hurts not only competes for your fantasy league MVP, I think he is absolutely a contender for the NFL MVP. I think that he's going to lead this Eagles team to uh, the to to some really really successful levels, and if you can get him to be your quarterback, uh, whether it be two quarterbacks or one quarterback, doesn't really matter. This guy is going to produce at an absolutely absurd level, and I think this year they're finally going to give him the keys to the the Ferrari. They're going to let him drive as fast as he can possibly go. They're going to let him redline that bitch because they got to figure out if he's worth a uh, basically buku bucks or not. And they went out and got him, you know what seems to be his one of his favorite potential targets in AJ Brown, like I said, and uh, the, the, you know, the sky's the limit for, for Jalen hurts. And uh, like I said, you're very much on the Jalen hurts trade, just like I am. So why don't you go ahead and add anything you'd like to for Jalen hurts before we go into our bold takes. I like the value you can get a Jalen hurts for MVP right now. It's great. Don't get me wrong. Not fantasy wise, but like overall, but uh, it's just, it's, it's not going to happen this year unless they go, unless they get 11 wins to win the division. I had three possible. guys. I have three guys in mind for the regular season MVP this year. One of them is Lamar because I think he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder this year, one thousand yeah. percent. Another one is Herbie. I think Herbert's got that dynamic in him, and I think he could take that step forward. And the other one, see, like this one's tough for me because, like, I want to save Mahomes, Rogers. Brady, those are the easy ones. But I'm gonna actually go with a little little shysty. I'm gonna go go Joey Burrow as as a potential as well this year. You know, and the name you did leave off that is Josh Allen, which who he could absolutely he could for an MVP. exactly he could keyword there could. But again, thinking of what he does best, unfortunately, if you look at his numbers right mm-hmm. over the the course of his career. His passing numbers, his advanced passing numbers have been great. Do not get me wrong. The one thing that hurts him every single year is how many interceptions he throws. He's thrown no less than nine interceptions in every year in his career. 12, 9, 10, and 15. He had 15 freaking interceptions last year, which was a career high. That's the only reason that's keeping him out of winning the the MVP, in my opinion, is is the the turnovers. Yeah, make sure if you want to talk, if you want to listen to our our Josh Allen kind of debate a few weeks ago we 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 brought it up in the past episode so yeah that you've, well, you've mentioned it, your your it, trepidations it, for him as well here it is and here it is and we'll go right into the bull take because he has part of what to do with my bull take and i'm gonna say it now so, so go. step go. one of the bull take is that y'all y'all people talk about gabriel davis and how this dude is going to Ball out this year. He's gonna break out. I'm getting him late so he can so he can ball out, right? Well, mm-hmm. let me let you in on a little mm-hmm. secret. This guy has not finished higher than 47 in fantasy in his two years. It's two years, bro. It ain't happening this year. Gabriel Davis, ready for this? He's not even going to finish in the top 50 this year for fantasy wide receivers. Whoa. Bust. You Huge listen, bust. If you, if you If you quietly listen, you can listen. You can hear all the, the Gabe Davis truthers' hearts just Breaking. For sure. And to go on step two, we talked about Josh Allen and how his turnovers were an issue in past years. Listen, this guy, two straight years, he's been QB1. Where you're getting him right now, I'm going to tell you right now. Do not draft this man in the second round. There's so much more things that you can grab at that position than Josh Allen being your quarterback. 
Josh Allen this year, to me, finishes outside the top five quarterbacks for the first time since 2019. So you're going double dip, bold double dip, Josh Buffalo Allen Bill. outside of the top mm-hmm. five and Gabe Davis outside of the top 50 wide receiver. 100%. Josh Allen finishes QB6 in 2019, right? It was his first year as a full starter. He played all 16 games. And that season alone, he had, what was it? I'm looking at his numbers right now. He had 3,089 passing yards, 20 passing touchdowns, nine interceptions, but he also had rushing wise. If you look at his rushing numbers as well, he had nine rushing touchdowns that season, which was his career high. Mm. You know, at the top of the show, I mentioned how we're both typically optimistic. We try to be, you know, the certified lover boys of fantasy football, all that stuff. But both of our bold takes are negative. You said two guys failed to meet expectations. And well, I also... Looking at yours, right? I'm looking at yours, right? This is something that I've been on the mindset of going into this year as well, based off of where this guy is getting drafted. It just doesn't make sense to me. And okay. people think that this dude's production is going to stay the same. Okay. I like the tea. I like you threw me the alley, so I'm going to drop down that oop right now and say that Austin Eckler finishes outside of the top 10 for running backs this year. That's right, outside of the top 10. Allow me to call upon the uh, the, the the bus here that's going to take us to Shameless Plug City. But I had an article recently that came out on playerprofiler.com. Go ahead and check that out on some regression candidates for the 2022 season. And Austin Eckler met that criteria to face some negative regression. So last year, he scored 20 total touchdowns. Well, his expected total touchdowns, according to player profilers data, is 12.4, which was a difference of 5.57 and the largest in all of football. His 21.5 fantasy points outperformed his expected fantasy points by 3.7 points per game, which was the third highest difference. And if you factor that in, if his expected points were more on the nose and he didn't outkick his coverage, that would have put him outside of the top five in 2021. Not only that, obviously expected metrics are not the end-all, be-all, but he was 22nd among qualified running backs in true yards per carry with 4.4. That's less than guys like Chase Edmonds, Devin Singletary, and Daryl Henderson. He posted a 25.4% juke rate. That's number 29 among starting uh, run, running backs. And that basically further suggests that the negative regression could surface in 2022. They have been looking for a complement at the position. They drafted Isaiah Spiller, and now they just recently signed Sony Michelle. You put all that together, I just think that, you know, Given the, his age as well, you know, he's going to be just about 27 in during this season. I think that he is the guy that is ta- being selected as a top three or four running back, but he will fall and he will fail to meet expectations, and he finishes this year outside of the top 10 at the running back position. Let me, let me, uh, let me help build your case here a little bit more. I love so, it. So two top 10 finishes uh, in his career. In the last three years, I should say. Um, he was running back two last year, finished fifth overall in fantasy. Uh, 2019, seventh at his position, tenth overall in fantasy. So, in between that, we had a little bit of a dud. 
finishes 30, running backs 35 in 2020. You know, he was banged up a little bit, only played in 10 games. You know what the, the difference is, right? And the reason why Austin Eckler is going up so high in these draft boards is the fact that Justin Herbert's his quarterback. If you look at what Herbert's done in a full season, that man got 94 targets, 70 receptions, eight touchdowns, 647 receiving yards. He had over 1,500 yards of total offense. Great high, 911 rushing yards last year. He ain't getting that again this year. Let's be honest. And he ain't putting in 12 rushing touchdowns this year. Carries. He had 206 rushing attempts. That's almost 70, 80 more than what he had in 2019 when he finishes the RB7. Yeah, that was about uh, 80 or so more attempts than his career average previously. Exactly. So listen, it's the age. It happens. He's now in year six as a running back. The trend on those tires are kicking. He's going to be 27, like Maddie said earlier. Besides last year, he's never finished over 557 rushing yards. If he doesn't have the receiving upside, he's not going to finish as a top 10 fantasy running back. However, this is what I think is going to happen this year with this dude. Not saying he's going to get hurt. Don't want to wish out on anybody. But I think Eckler's rushing numbers, I think he's going to stay with the rushing yards. I think he'll go maybe a little bit. I'll say he goes just under nine at like 880, but he's not getting double-digit rushing touchdowns. Sure, can this man get anywhere between 75 and 90 targets? Of course. But he's not going to put up eight uh, receiving touchdowns to go along with that. Austin Eckler is a guy that if you're going to draft him in the first round, you better have damn well confidence that this dude's going to put up 20 total touchdowns again. Because if he doesn't, right, what did he put up in 2019? Was it 11? He had eight eight receiving touchdowns and three rushing touchdowns, so 11. Mm-hmm. And but he also had nine. He also had almost a thousand receiving yards. Yes, if he's not, 1, 000, yep. if he's not close to that thousand yard on either side, he's not finishing in the top ten this year. Let's be honest. Right. Right. And that's why I have him finishing outside. And I think that's definitely a bold claim, but uh, I'm glad you backed me up. That's why we're just the two best friends in fantasy football right now. That's just what we do. A couple of certified love boys getting it done. That's going to wrap up tonight's show. Uh, glad you guys tuned and rocked with us tonight. Uh, we got a lot of exciting things coming for you this upcoming season. Like I said, this season is among us. We are super, super excited to get into all the NFL goodness and all the fantasy delights that we can. Jonesy, before we say peace out to our lovely listeners, tell them where they can find you on socials, where they can find your content, anything you want to let them know all about. This is your chance to plug away. You can find me on socials uh, at cjones 212 on Twitter. You can find my work on BellyUpFantasySports.com. Belly Been doing a bunch of win totals and stuff. I'm going to be doing uh, daily fantasy sports for them as well throughout the season. So you're not going to want to miss that because I'm going to do my best to make you a lot of money. And follow me on TikTok. Keep them with Jones, baby. Under yes, sir. Don't yes, sir. So go ahead and throw us some follows on Twitter and on TikTok. We're at Kiwoman Jones on Twitter and at Kiwoman Jones underscore on TikTok. You can find me on Twitter at Maddie Kiwoom. You can find my articles there coming out on playerprofiler.com. And I got a new show that will be coming out for playerprofiler.com on Friday night, Saturday mornings called The Game Plan that gets you set and ready for your Sunday matchups. 
I'm Kiwum. He's Jones. This is Kiwum and Jones. Tune in next time. Peace.